they're constantly doing this kind of dance where they match the duration of their option trades relative to the actual cash they have, relative to the cash flow that is being potentially created by these yield-bearing instruments. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to IBKR Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Praisman. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the IBKR Podcast studio, Matt Cashman, Principal of Investor Education at the Options Clearing Corporation, or OCC. Matt, welcome back. It's always great to have you in the studio. It's a pleasure to be here, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about buffered ETFs. It's always great to have you. I'm excited for this subject. This is something that uh, we have not discussed prior to that. So for our listeners, you know, buffered outcome ETFs, they're also known as defined outcome or target outcome or even structured outcome. They're sort of a, a recent re innovation, correct? Yeah, they're pretty recent. I mean, I think they've been around for a little while, but we've really seen a lot of volume kind of migrate into these products as of late. If you could go into, you know, why investors are using them and what role they play in a portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's good to start at the beginning here. You know, generally these products provide exposure for people that are looking to have exposure in really defined ways. So instead of someone who would naturally have a very long exposure to the marketplace and just be long all the time, sometimes what these will do for people is they'll use a combination of underlyings and or options and give people a real defined outcome as to when they want to be long the market or where they want to be long the market. They'll, they'll create strategies where you have kind of an out to the downside sometimes. Um, and it really allows people to kind of target where and how they want to be long and make their capital really efficient as to how they view where they want their money at work, basically. So, you know, generally just kind of gives them that limited, you know, upside exposure, but kind of hedge between sort of a market sell-off in general, sort of the general idea of these? I would say the most common kind of expression of this for people is these limited upside exposure with a little bit of hedge to the downside. And so um, what that means ultimately is that you have some sort of underlying exposure, but you've given up the part of the exposure that you want to the upside, you're willing to give that up theoretically, but you want to be out of that long underlying position if, for instance, the market were to drop 10% or 15% or something along those lines. You'll see a lot of different buffered ETFs that line up in that way, that give people that very defined outcome as to where and when they want to be actually long the market. Uh, so it's really just how they're structured is what they sort of provide the investor, in other words. So there's a few different ways. It's not one size fits all, but it's sort of a, a general idea, but then it can kind of be structured slightly differently to kind of provide different outsets. Yeah, it's different in different ways. And you'll see these different products kind of line up in different ways as to how they provide this exposure, right? There's the the exposure that I just explained, which is you're giving up a little bit of the upside, but you get the downside uh, 
you get the downside out basically that takes you out of your position to the downside. There's also ways that people like to set these up where they utilize the yield that's inherent in them to actually just give them upside, unlimited upside exposure with a defined amount of premium that they're willing to risk for that. And then there's also ways that people create unlimited upside exposure, but also with that limited downside exposure. It's important to note that when we're talking about all of these things, that most of these actual defined outcomes are created using options in the marketplace. So it matters how your actual ETF that you're you know, that you're purchasing actually utilizes those options. But anytime that someone does in like a, a, a prospectus or you read something in a prospectus that gives you the idea that there's a defined outcome, inevitably, these people are actually using options to create those defined outcomes. Besides for options, are there other components that, that could make up a buffered ETF as well? Yeah, absolutely. And this is really the heart of what we're talking about here. And part of the reason why we wanted to talk about it today, I think, is to in some ways kind of demystify this whole um, this whole asset class, because it's not rocket science as to what's going on here. What we really have is really two parts, two big parts. The first part is some yield bearing instrument. So what people are doing is essentially dumping money into something that generates yield. Now, with you know three-month risk-free T-bills yielding five and a quarter to five and a half percent right now, that's not a hard thing to find. And where if you were to tell me five years ago that I needed to get five and a quarter percent in order to create this yield to then go take that yield and trade options with it. I would tell you five years ago, that's impossible because it just doesn't exist, right? There's no risk-free actual rate back then that was that high. However, now we're in an interest rate environment that's completely different. So finding something that yields five and a quarter percent is really not that hard, right? So you find a bond that yields some sort of duration, pays some sort of coupon. And then what you essentially do, take the second part of this strategy is you take that yield and you use it to trade the options. So the options part of this trade or the options part of the ETF, this buffered ETF, is really being kind of leveraged by the yield that's created from this interest bearing you know, investment in some way, shape or form. And the options are what give these strategies their defined outcomes. The yield is really just used to pay for the optionality in some possible way, some iterative way that people have figured out how they want to structure that trade. Got it. Got it. So, you know, so you have, so you have the sort of the risk-free yield and then you have the option component. And are there option strategies that some of the, that generally play better than others? Or, or I guess maybe that's not the right way to phrase this. Are there particular option strategies that would generally be maybe more useful for this combination uh, buffered ETF product than others? Yeah, absolutely. I'll 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 frame it a slightly different way. Um, there are some option strategies that are far more common than others as far as the way that these are actually transmitted into the options market. The first one is really what I made reference to at the very beginning, which is if you are willing to essentially give up the upside 
exposure past a certain point and you want some downside protection on your investment in the underlying, what that option strategy is generally called and has been used in the kind of options market making world for decades as far as just prudent risk management is concerned, people call that generally um, a risk reversal. That's what a risk reversal is in the actual options market making world. What does that mean? It's a long out of the money put, so a downside out of the money put, and you combine that with the short out of the money call. Now, most of the time when those two options are traded against each other because you're buying one and selling the other, the premium, generally speaking, can offset between those two. And so you don't end up necessarily with a lot of premium outlaid for that strategy when you're using a long downside put and a short upside call. That's not generally, that doesn't cost a ton of money usually, unless you're doing something with a different strike to the downside that happens to cost more money when you're outlaying the premium on the buy side. So that's one way to do it. Another way that people do it is a similar kind of vibe to that, but instead of what they do is they use a put spread collar or a put spread risk reversal, which means essentially instead of just having one downside long put in that, you're actually buying a put spread to the downside, which is buying the near term or not the near term, the closest to the at the money put and then selling a farther down strike put against it. That's the put spread part of it. And then you would utilize again that out of the money call to the upside that you would sell against that to actually offset the premium and make it a relatively premium neutral strategy from just a premium perspective. Got it. So then how does you know how does this buffered outcome strategy create returns for the investor then? So like you know they're they're putting this the strategy on and they're they're hoping for a certain, you know, move or maybe not move in market depending but what are the scenarios where it could create, you know, the outcome? Yeah, absolutely. Many times if the market is well, let's talk about it this way. Really the way that this the way that these products are designed is that they are designed to give you a return within a specific set of outcomes. So a lot of times if the returns on the market are up or down by a modest amount, then the buffered ETF is really expected to have a return that's kind of in line with the underlying asset over that time period, right? You're not going to necessarily give up or get some turbocharged amount of return out of this because if you're in that range of outcomes, the actual options themselves might not even come into play, right? You might even be within those strikes that they were used to create that long optionality or short optionality. For instance, the long optionality to the downside with that long put we just talked about and the short optionality to the upside. If you didn't end up touching either one of those strikes, the actual return on your investment might be very similar to what you might have had if you were just long the underlying. However, what you end up with in these, and the reason why they're called buffered ETFs, why they create a buffer or a defined outcome, is that if the market breaks through those upside or downside actual limits that you've created with the option trades on this, then that buffered ETF might either flatline to the downside, where you would get a capped 
loss to the downside. Again, that's your defined outcome. Whereas if you were to compare that to someone who might be just straight long the underlying, you might, if you were straight long the underlying, have unlimited or relatively limited downside exposure all the way to zero, right? It would be just like as if you were long the underlying stock or index in this case. And so what that might do is give you what I call an out, or it might flatline your P&L to the downside, which is what people are looking for. And then on the upside, when you run into that short upside call, theoretically, as far as if it were designed that way, you might get the actual exposure all the way up to where that call is struck, and then you wouldn't be able to participate past that point. And sometimes the ETFs will design it as a percentage of the upside, you might not be able to participate past that point, but that would be where that short call might kick in and cap your actual exposure to the upside. Any investment, there's always risk, right? So it, it, yeah. from what you're saying, it's, it sounds like at least one of the risks of using this strategy would be you know, extreme market moves where you know, if it, it comes out of that, that zone. Are there any other risks? Or is that sort of the way the strategy works is really it kind of protects you as long as it stays in the steady area, but and if it's some sort of extreme movement, you're not going to um, either profit as much or you may end up you know, losing some on this. Yeah. Well, I would say that the risks are fairly limited as far as this is concerned, because what it's designed to do is kind of take risk off of the table. And in order to take risk off the table, you have to give up the availability of the upside in those in those cases we just talked about in order to get the downside coverage that you're looking for. That's how the options actually work, right? But what I'm talking about as far as when you look at like things where this might be something people need to look out for is I always talk about the fees that are associated with it, right? It's something where anytime someone, like I said earlier, anytime someone says this is a buffered ETF or a defined outcome strategy, they're probably using options. And if they're probably using options, what they are doing is trading options in the marketplace and they have to go into a marketplace. They have to cross bid ask spread on the market trades that they're making, on the option trades that they're marking, making, sorry. So that's going to be a, a potential slippage or fee that's kind of like built into how these products work. The other thing that they have to do, and you have to think about this, is that options by design, have an expiration date, whereas the actual underlying that you might be buying or selling doesn't necessarily have an expiration date. Well, what does that mean for this? It means that these options have to be rolled every time they get to a certain point where they might expire. Because if you're giving up the actual coverage that you're getting with a, an option that's expiring potentially in five days, the actual ETF is going to need to go in there and roll that option position out in time. The reason they do this is to make sure that they have coverage so that their actual, you know, their their options market coverage meets the liabilities that they have if they have potential redemptions, right? If people come in and say, I don't want to be a part of this ETF anymore, sell my ETF, what you end up having to do is saying, okay, they're going to want their cash back. You have to give them their cash back. What that means is that you don't then necessarily have as much cash to carry that options position for as long. And so they're constantly doing this kind of dance where they match the duration of their option trades relative to the actual cash they have, 
relative to the cash flow that is being potentially created by these yield-bearing instruments, and then looking at what their performance is benchmarked to some other indexes, because if their performance is benchmarked and fall below benchmarks, they, you know, they consider they are going to get redemptions, which lowers their cash, et cetera. So they're constantly rolling their option strategies to make sure that their liabilities and their option strategies coverage are matched up going out in time. And then the third thing is that there are fees that are generally associated with these ETFs and they will expressly tell you what their fees are. They're usually fees based in it that they express in basis points. Sometimes they can be as high as 100 or 200 basis points. It's important that you understand where those fees are, how they're charged. And that, like I said, they're usually very forthcoming with their fees in the prospectus. They'll tell you what the basis point charges on these things. But those fees are, you know, the ETF provider is going to use those to cover their operational risks and, you know, cover other, um, you know, contingencies, et cetera, that they have from a business risk perspective. So those are the three things that are really in there that might cost you money that are involved with this. They're not necessarily like risks that we would say are risks that are built into like being long the underlying, but they are potential fees that could be coming out of that investment. You know, does does the strategy work for single stocks, or are these firms, you know, do they have they created this buffered strategy for single stock products? And you know, if not, is this something you see them potentially doing in the future? I think. I mean, I you don't see a lot of these in single stock uh, in single stock trades. Where you see a lot of these right now are in indexes across the board, right? They will they will create a buffered strategy for a specific index where people will then be able to get exposure to that index and have coverage to the downside, maybe give up a little bit to the upside, et cetera. You don't see them a lot in single stocks right now. Um, the reason why, I don't necessarily think that it's something that's not out there um, on the horizon. I think that if people start to really request them, from from their broker or from their prime broker or you know hedge funds request them from the prime broker they might start to show up because that's always a function of the supply and demand that's out there as far as products are concerned i think personally that the actual single stock equity um options market is a little bit more tailored to people doing this on their own necessarily right like that, and so you might see a lot of that flow of people doing it on their own in the single stocks relative mm -hmm. to the indexes right now. And that's part of the reason why people may have created these products in the indexes first. You never know. They might move into the single stocks and you might see that in five years or something like that. I don't know. Um, but it's certainly a potential. So that actually, Matt, that actually leads me to our my last and final question. You know, I just want to clarify for our listeners. I know we're, we're talking about. Uh, these ETFs that are exchange traded and you know these firms are putting these together but it sounds like this is something that investors could also you know do on their own for these ETFs through option trades as well you know is that, that accurate statement I, I think it's yes it's it's far more than accurate and it's definitely a hundred percent the way that I view these things um, the bottom line here when we're talking about this is that the, the ETF marketplace as it stands right now is is very robust and it's the, you know, the service that it provides and the actual 
um, way that it allows people to gain exposure to things that they wouldn't otherwise have exposure to is really unparalleled, right? And when you add on top of that the defined outcomes that people are starting to overlay on this, it's incredibly robust as far as like where you can and can't, you know, go and buy risk that you want to have on. It gives you a really easily packaged up way to create risk where you want to have it and not where you don't want to have it. But it comes at a cost. It's not something that's free. These ETF providers are charging you some amount of basis points. They're telling you what they're charging you. And that I think is great that it's a really, um, that it's, that it's a transparent way that people are actually saying, yes, we will give you this, this amount of, of buffered risk, but it costs this amount of basis points. And that's good. The thing that I think is really important from an educational perspective is that people understand that they can go create these things themselves. It's not something that, it, like I said at the beginning, it's not rocket science, right? These people aren't out there cooking up these things in laboratories and making them out of super complex mathematical formulas. What's happening here is that they're taking cash, they're dumping it into a yield-bearing something, right? Whatever that thing is. And then they're taking the yield and they're using the yield on the cash to actually buy or sell or a combination of buying and selling sometimes options. And that's all it is. And so my point from it, from an options educator's perspective, which is what I am, is that you can do this yourself. All you have to do is figure out what is my duration risk? What kind of option strategies am I willing to employ in order to create this buffered, you know, a defined outcome? And then where do I want to actually have exposure? What are the underlyings in which I want to have exposure and where are the prices that I'm willing to be long it and where are the prices that I'm not willing to be long it? Because that'll give you a lot of color as to where you might want to put the strikes for, for instance, that downside put that you might want to buy or the strike to the upside for that upside call where you might be willing to give up that further exposure to the upside. And that might be where you strike the upside call. But the point of the matter is, the more you understand about the actual underlying optionality, the more you understand about how those options work, the better equipped you're going to be to be able to go create this strategy on your own. And guess what? If you create it on your own, you don't have to pay the 100 or 200 basis points. And that's not to say that those people aren't providing a great service. They are providing a great service, and what they do is incredible. I'm just saying if you educate yourself as to how the options work, you might be able to do the same thing for a little bit less money. Uh, this, this has been great, and, I, and I've actually learned a lot from this podcast because, you know, again, you know, the buffered um, alchemy ETFs are fairly, you know, recent innovation, and they seem to be getting a little bit more popular too as as other investment, you know, issues. But this has been super educational, super helpful, Matt. I always appreciate you stopping by, and for our listeners to see more educational material from the OCC, go to ibkr.com, click on education in the top right and IBKR campus, then click on our contributors and look for the OCC. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Jeff Praisman with Interactive Brokers. Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at ibkrpodcasts.com. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education material, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news. 
market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material was provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry, or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, as necessary, seek professional advice. Options involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. For more information, read the Characteristics and Risks of Standardized Options, or ODD, which may be accessed through the link found in the show's notes or podcast description page. Any discussion or mention of an ETF is not to be construed as recommendation, promotion, or solicitation. All investors should review and consider associated investment risks, charges, and expenses of the investment company or fund prior to investing. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, as necessary, seek professional advice. Investors may lose their entire investment regardless of when they purchase EFT shares and even if they hold the shares for an entire outcome period. There is no guarantee that the fund will be successful in its attempt to provide the outcomes for an outcome period. The cap may increase or decrease and may vary significantly. An investor who purchases fund shares after the outcome period has begun or sells fund shares prior to the end of the outcome period may experience results that are different from the investment objective sought by the fund for that outcome period. There is no guarantee that the cap will remain the same after the end of the outcome period. The buffered outcome ETF ETF's investment strategies are different from more typical investment products, and the funds may be unsuitable for some investors. It is important that investors understand the investment strategy before making an investment. For more information regarding whether an investment in the fund is right for you, please see the prospectus.